Let's go live by satellite to a special guest. I'm here! Oh my god. It's Oprah. I thought I smelled lavender and money. <laughs> Oprah, are you running? Well, I am a celebrity, so I'm qualified. But I'm different from Donald Trump because I'm actually a billionaire. So who knows? I mean, there's only one job in the world more powerful than being president. Oh, really? What's that? Being Oprah! Bye! Thank you, Oprah. That was delightful. Thanks for being here. And live from New York, it's Saturday night! Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week we'll be discussing Season 43, Episode 10 of SNL with host Sam Rockwell and musical guest Halsey. I'm John Murray, and with me as always is comedy aficionado and all-around swell dude, Steve Finn. If you'd like to connect with either of us, you can do so at snlafterparty.fm. And if you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or rather Apple Podcasts. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. All right, Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, Sam Rockwell! We got some episode announcements. Uh, next week, Jessica Chastain with musical guest Troy Savon. And then to round out January, Will Farrell with musical guest Chris Stapleton. I am a fan of uh, Jessica Chastain and obviously Will Farrell. Sure. More interested in seeing what Jessica's episode is going to look like because she's uh, more of a straight actor. Right. And uh, those can go either way. So Will Farrell's going to hold his own, but we'll see how this first one goes. Might be fun. Yeah. She's definitely the unproven quantity, but uh, we've had uh, some surprises with uh, dramatic actresses that we wouldn't have thought maybe would turn out a good episode of SNL really uh, being able to deliver. So maybe she'll keep that streak running. Yeah, maybe. And Will Farrell, we don't need to really say much on that. <laughs> he's a friend of the show, alum, always welcome, and uh, he's a goofy guy. Usually makes for a good outing, so it's going to be a fun January. Absolutely. All right, let's just get into it. Cold open. On MSNBC's Morning Joe, Joe and Mika discussed the Trump expose Fire and Fury with author Michael Wolf, Steve Bannon, and Oprah. I've, uh, I've always loved the Morning Joe cold opens. We've seen a couple... They're always uh, a hoot and they not only make fun of the show itself, but they use it as a vehicle for uh, commentary. So it's a great mix of those two. And we had a lot of fun cameos this week. So I would say cold open was a overall win. Yeah. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. The big question coming into 2018 was, were they going to go heavy on Trump some more? We probably weren't the only one saying that maybe we've been seeing a little bit too much of Alec Baldwin and, and the Trump character is just feeling stale. So Pivoting a little bit, going with Morning Joe, like you said, a a setup that really is strong. The the characters for for Kate and Alex really uh, are just really charming to watch. It, it's a really fun little back and forth that they have. So it was already kind of a strong setup, and then obviously they went heavy with the cameos and just kind of went all out on this one. I feel like it was a really nice way to start the show and 2018. Yeah, the show and the year, yeah, for sure. Thoughts on Leslie as Oprah. Leslie does a good Oprah. <laughs> she really does. <laughs> yeah. I love seeing her work out these new impressions and characters. Uh, who says you can't teach an old dog new tricks? I mean, she has been in the industry for a long time doing her own thing in stand up. but uh, just love these moments, seeing her uh, 
spread her wings and do new things. Yeah, this worked really well. The impression itself is not tough to pull off, but it's a perfect fit for Leslie. The look was there. The wig was there and she got through it. Like she handled the material really well. So I was pleasantly surprised to see her in that role. And it was kind of fun that, you know, they call that back and we get more of her throughout the episode. So to me, this really worked. This was a fun way to start the show. I I'm counting this one as a win. For sure. Always great to see uh alumni show up, whether it be uh, a recent departure or someone from the almost the original cast. Right. We got Fred and Bill in there. And uh, I don't know if I've ever seen them work together before, but I loved their chemistry, their banter. Yeah, it worked really well. Bill Murray, he had a couple fumbly moments. It looked like maybe he lost his spot on the cue cards there for a second, but overall it worked really well. The audience loved seeing Bill. He plays a good Bannon, like they were able to make him blotchy and the wig worked and just his face kind of worked in that role. So even though I, I wouldn't say it was the most like spot on Bannon impression, just having Bill Murray in the studio, that's a win. You know, that's always fun. So yeah, this was good. Yeah. And he even stuck around for the farewells. Yeah. It was a good night. It was, it was a bigger show than I was expecting. Normally middle of winter, maybe a bit of a rating slump. You don't really have the highest hopes for these kind of award season shows after their big opening run in the fall. But this, this really surprised. This was a really good way to kick off the night. Yes. Lovely way. All right. Let's look at the monologue. Sam Rockwell is a big ass honking movie star. (laughs) Thoughts? Sam Rockwell got some moves. He's quite the twinkle toes. Yeah, (laughs) I wasn't so keen on his singing, but he really, (laughs) he really was able to work the space. All of the like pantomime fighting and all of that stuff worked really well. And to me, anytime that they get off home base and they do that back corridor, those are always fun. Cause I just, I love seeing the studio. I love seeing <laughs> the, the nuts and bolts of the operation. So yeah, getting them up on the crane was a lot of fun. It just had a good energy. So to me, we're really in good shape at this point in the show. I, I had a lot of fun with this. Yeah. Super ambitious. And it was really, really busy. They did throw in mm-hmm. a good many elements, whether it be Colin Joe's getting kicked through the door <laughs> or yeah, like you said, the, uh, the jib crane kind of hitching a ride. Right. It all looked beautiful and it went really well. Like it went pretty smoothly. Yeah. Yeah. I think they hit all the beats and they nailed it. Yep. Really challenging to pull off, but uh, it was a success. Yeah. This was good. Yeah. I enjoyed this a lot. Moving on. First live sketch of the night, PBS kids, classic 1990 episode of the science room with Mr. Science. This was a real show at one point, wasn't it? Close to it. I mean, there was like a Mr. Wizard and there was a Bill Nye, like this format, the, (laughs) the actor in a white lab coat has been done. I'm sure many times throughout the ages. Sure. Sure. Yeah. The Beekman's worlds and all them. Yeah, exactly. This was a great sketch and I think it might've been inspired by, uh, some of the recent flubbings of child actors on the show itself on (laughs) SNL. I mean, okay. And uh, this is relatable to anybody who's ever worked with children on, on set with anything. It's, mm-hmm. it, it can be uh, unpredictable and sometimes frustrating. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And they definitely played that up. The kids were particularly inept to the point where Mr. Science actually drops an F-bomb. It's easy to get in that energy. Right. You know, when you're doing a performance, you really got to sell it. Right. So he's a character actor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He has to be Mr. Science. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. My character dropped F-bombs when he gets upset. <laughs> I don't read the script. The script reads me. <laughs> but what of the sketch overall? Like, did this work? Was this fun? Yeah, it was a whole lot of fun. I think the timing was down on a lot of the gags. Mm-hmm. Cecily and Mikey, they play good kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, after losing Vanessa Bear, it's nice to have someone <laughs> who could still, uh, still sell that. Yep. 
Yeah, they did a really good job. I thought this unrolled pretty good, um, F-bomb notwithstanding. So I'm going to count this as a win. This was a fun way to kick off the live material for the night. Sure. Let's call it a win. All right. Let's keep it moving. We get a pre-tape, a music video for Little Pump's Tooch Gang featuring Sam Rockwell. So we've seen Little Pump before. Yes. This is that same character from the other pre-tape. Mm-hmm. I could not remember the name, but I knew they at least looked similar. It's appropriate uh, subject matter, given uh, Sam Rockwell's kind of stature in Hollywood. And Stanley Tucci is yet another one of those, not as much of a household name, but certainly a recognizable face. Right. It certainly seemed like an obscure sketch to come up with. Yeah. Other than the fact that if you want to do a goof on Gucci gang, having something that rhymes with Gucci. Tucci is probably on your shortlist. So uh, maybe it just came up that way. They just really liked having Pete Davidson as little pump and they just wanted to find an excuse to actually parody the music video proper rather than just have it woven into that mockumentary type of thing that they did last time. So maybe that's all it was. I'm not really sure what the genesis of this guy was, but for what they came up with, I thought it was pretty fun pointing out kind of the mundane career achievements of Stanley Tucci, but doing it with some hip hop flair, but <laughs> ridiculously bad hip hop flair. Like there's a lot of layers to why this is amusing, but uh, I, I had some fun with it. I, I thought this was good. Yeah. Sometimes uh, the idea for a sketch comes from something as simple as we need a rhyme. And where do we go from there? Yeah. Moving on. We get another live sketch. E-Network's new fashion positive version of The Look is just trying to keep up. This is obviously an exaggeration, what we're seeing here, but we've created a lot of dialogue about things that weren't, you know, quite all right, and we've made some progress about it, but now we're at the point where we're walking around on eggshells. <laughs> you know, as a, as a great example, we got these E-Network guys who don't really even get it. Like, they don't even understand <laughs> what the whole cause is supposed to be about. Sure. So uh, I thought it was a great basis for uh, for some funny moments. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty smart sketch uh, to have them point out just how tone deaf a show like this becomes <laughs> as culture shifts and to have them all just kind of reeling from that, trying to keep pace and figure out what's acceptable now and what they can say and what they can't say. Uh, it's fun. It's, it's always fun to kind of watch people squirm and, and not really know how to navigate treacherous waters. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. Fun little mess for sure. Definitely, definitely. Moving on. We get another pre-tape. My Drunk Man, the only life-size doll designed to mimic the behavior of the sloppy grown man you can't get enough of. (laughs) You know, I was watching that, and um, I know all of my ex-girlfriends hate Saturday (laughs) Night Live, so none of them were probably watching. But if they were, they would probably have been thinking of me. (laughs) At least they have a couple of memories that uh, would harken back to this. Being on the other side, I could see how this is a very relatable sketch right from the get-go from taking him out of the box. It's already a struggle with just (laughs) carrying his limp body, which is part of it. I thought that was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I just like the performance of it. The fact that they made them look very uh, mannequin-like and, you know, they had the behavior, but they stripped down the emoting of it in the face. Right. Kyle and Sam both pulled that off great. Yeah, I thought this was a lot of fun. Like you said, the observation is very true. Uh, (laughs) Probably hit very close to home for a lot of the female watchers of SNL. So uh, another win. I I think we've been off to a pretty good start so far this evening. Uh, Everything I've seen has had something worthwhile in it. So I'm pretty hot on the show right now. 
My uncle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The the dark truths that surface when you've had a few too many. It was good. I liked it. Any other thoughts? No men. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about Halsey. She performs Bad at Love as well as Him and I with G Easy. She's got a nice kind of raspy voice, and uh, you know she does the whole outfits and theatrics. She's one of those performers, and uh, I suppose she does it well. You know, not really my cup of tea, but she's obviously talented. I didn't outwardly hate it. <laughs> okay. I have so little to say about this. Uh, I really just kind of want to get into weekend update, but I think, <laughs> I think my bottom line was it was perfectly enjoyable. Not my kind of music. Didn't move me one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're sponsored this week by none other than SNL alum and celebrated weekend update anchor, Dennis Miller. Considered one of the greatest stand-up comedians of all time, Dennis will be performing for one night only at the Silver Legacy Resort and Casino in Rito, Nevada on Friday, February 10th. Tickets start at $49.50 and can be purchased at silverlegacy.com. And our listeners can save 20% off their hotel room on the night of the show by using coupon code TIX18 when purchasing their ticket. Don't miss your chance to experience Miller's irreverent and socially astute comedy by going to silverlegacy.com now while tickets are still available. And our thanks to Dennis Miller for sponsoring this episode of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. Weekend update. So for Jost and Che's lead-in, they cover Trump's S-hole countries remark. I thought it was a great lead-in. Um, obviously, they were going to be talking about this and the new book, Fire and Fury. Right. It was all good stuff. I was laughing, but they also put the whole S-hole controversy in a, in a pretty good nutshell there. In a brilliant nutshell, if you ask me, I thought Che's comparison of if you're going to break someone's country and then point a finger, you're a real, <laughs> real idiot. Yeah. It's much like, you know, molesting a kid and then pointing out that they grow up to be weird. That's uh, that's as hard hitting as anything we've seen on update and just a really powerful point, really well delivered. And it just, it, it caught me off guard how affecting Che's little run there was. I, I thought that was really, really solid stuff. Yeah, that was a good analogy. And just the whole comment itself, when it gets out that the president is saying this kind of stuff, it just makes us all look bad. And uh, obviously, uh, we did need a good laugh about it, at least. Sure. It just feels particularly egregious when you're picking on downtrodden people that <laughs> are in that state in no small part because of past foreign policy decisions. So there's definitely some irony and some legitimate offense that they were tapping into. And uh, it made for some some pretty sassy weekend update material that I was eating up. Yeah. On another note, I will say that I was a little bit distracted from some of their other material because it was obvious that Scarlett Johansson's self-aware hair tassel has migrated over into Colin Jost's quaff. Were you picking up on that? Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> I saw it there. I guess that stuff kind of bothers me because I always pick up on just like a one piece of hair out of place <laughs> or like a folded lapel. It always catches my eye and then it kind of, yeah, like yourself, it distracts me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought it was working for him. It's a good look, but yeah, it was so animated and ever present that it, it did actually uh, cause me to miss a couple punchlines along the way. But I think that their opening material uh, on the whole tassel aside was pretty solid this week. I was having a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. And the fact that porn star blackmails the president yes. <laughs> is like somewhere in between a couple of uh, 
interviews, you know, that's, that's saying something about the general state of things. Yeah. That's their B material. <laughs> yeah. So lots of good stuff this week from Che and Colin, not just in this run, but in their second run too, after some of the features, it was pretty solid. The, the joke rating was pretty on point this week. Had a lot of fun with that. Let's talk about our first feature. Oprah and Stedman may or may not be running for president. Yeah, this was fun. It was nice to see Oprah once again for the second time tonight. I thought it was great. We already saw uh, Leslie doing this and she does it well. Yeah. You know, she does have that musical quality, Mm -hmm. not in just the drawn out. We got John Travolta, (laughs) but like everything she says is there's a, a certain grandiose to it. And I think she hit it. Yeah, Leslie is good in this role. Uh, it was fun in the cold open. It was fun to see it come back. I thought that Chris Red as Stedman was working really good. He had one joke that should have got a laugh that for some reason just thudded. But I, I felt like his take on Stedman, just sort of like full on lapdog mode. You know, whatever Oprah says, I'm good with that. And I'm just like jovial. I'm happy to be along for the ride kind of Stedman. Yeah. Yeah. That I thought was a, a pretty good take on him. And uh, I thought the whole piece was a lot of fun. Yeah. Had some fun for sure. Great. So for our next feature, A.D. Bryant was taught to be accommodating and polite. A.D. as A.D. comes out to say a few things that have been on her mind. It was a, it was a good insight, I think, and mm-hmm. something I need to be reminded of once in a while, because growing up as a dude, <laughs> maybe I got away with a bit more, and maybe you know a certain type of behavior was allowed in my upbringing yeah. that uh, you know the other gender might not have gotten such a you know, the same kind of shot at. So sure. they have done studies about women not being as effective uh, when negotiating salaries and stuff. And it might just have to do with, you know, how society generally kind of shapes uh, females sure. as opposed to males. Yeah. I think she makes a good point and I, I think she's onto something with it. Yep. Yeah. It felt very sincere, very heartfelt. Uh, there was a lot of truth in it. Like you said, there was a, a lot here to bite into. I wouldn't say that this was super funny, but I felt like it was very worthwhile to hear. Uh, so this was good. I I'm glad that this made it into the show. This is a little bit more challenging for some viewers, right? Like if people just want really lighthearted laughs, throwing a part like this, that's asking you to think a little bit more between the jokes that can be hard to pull off, but I I feel like she, she did a good job with it. It was, it was a good balance of sincere commentary to, you know, some lighthearted jokes to, to try and keep it fun and flowing. And uh, yeah, it worked. I I was having fun with it. Yeah. Moving on. We get a third feature. LeVar ball is back yet again to discuss his son's Lithuanian basketball debut. He's growing on me, man. (laughs) Like when he makes the news, I don't, I never pick up on it. I guess I'm not traveling over the sports section. Right. So all I got to go by is, is this interpretation of LeVar Ball. <laughs> For all I know, he could be just like how Keenan acts. But all I know is that I love Keenan's performance every time. Just the delivery of the lines of all the exaggerated claims he makes. Right. Keenan just nails it. And it's not getting old for me. Yep. In fact, it's getting more fresh. Like it's going backwards in age somehow. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I walked away from this one saying, oh my goodness, how is it that I'm enjoying this more the more I see it? Because last time it came out, I thought, okay, I'm amazed that they squeaked two weekend update features out of this, you know, fleeting 15 minutes of fame kind of personality. Uh, but yeah, he's he's enduring. And, and the more that... Uh, 
comes out of this LeVar Ball's mouth, the, the more fodder for update. And yeah, Keenan, Keenan, <laughs> he, he makes it work. He, he does really good with this and uh, happy to see it. Well, we very well may see it again, the way things are going and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Back half of the show, we get a live sketch. Captain Hook questions the optics of letting the Lost Boys join his crew. Uh, <laughs> set, set the scene here. What is this? Well, uh, we're just taking a second look at Peter Pan and, and really making sure we're actually okay with, you know, the general uh, plot or, or narrative <laughs> sure. that this story tells. Yeah, it's kind of fun to explore the idea of what sort of adults might we assume would hang out on an island entirely populated by <laughs> preteen boys. There's something a, a little awkward there that that can be explored. Uh, I enjoyed it. I felt like it didn't really go anywhere, right? Like they had a great observation and a really fun scene to set. But once the table was set, it didn't feel like there was anywhere else for it to go. And and so I I would have liked something a little more satisfying to wrap it up, but I still felt the the conceit was a music. Yeah. Yep. It spun its wheels a little bit, but it had some some good moments like Kyle revealing he was 35. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And the whole the phallus comparison with the swords. Yes. <laughs> when Peter Pan actually shows up. Yeah, that was a good way to cap it off, but it, it was a bit of a slow burn there for a bit. Yeah, there was a whole nother movement to this sketch and dress where uh, there was kind of like a to catch a predator sort of angle where a reporter shows up and calls them out. So there was more to the sketch, I think, that the, the writers were hoping to get to and it just didn't work in dress. So it kind of got chopped up a bit. That's probably why we weren't feeling it went anywhere because I, I I think the original ending probably was maybe too complicated or just didn't play well. Yeah. So, yeah, it is what it is. This isn't a, a total win, but because the show has won me over at this point, I was cutting this more slack. So this might've been a loss on another night, but I'm going to call it a marginal win just because I was feeling good. Yeah. Yeah. So we get a pre-tape after that. Two men learn some valuable lessons in race relations at an inner city ATM. I thought it was uh, first of all, hilarious. Also made some good points. Mm-hmm. A lot of what we're afraid of really isn't about race at all. It's, it's more of a, a demeanor or a behavior. And uh, sometimes people erroneously associate that with <laughs> right. a color of skin or a certain, certain culture. Exactly. Not all black people are thugs, but some are <laughs> yeah. as, as Keenan found out, <laughs> you're going to find some black thugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was kind of fun to mash up that idea of trying to be racially sensitive with the practical reality of not wanting to get robbed, right? Like it's not racist to want to be prudent <laughs> and observant of your surroundings, especially if you're in a sketchy neighborhood, but to be called out for being racially insensitive for doing that and then have the person that called you out, turn around to do the exact same thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some delicious irony there. Sketch went a little dark, uh, Kind of hard to laugh when you're picturing Keenan just getting absolutely devastated on the floor of that ATM. So <laughs> it was a little challenging to stay invested when I was actually kind of sympathizing <laughs> uh, with just, oh yeah, how how bad a day that guy's having at this point. Uh, so yeah, maybe maybe it hit a little too hard, yeah. but I liked it. I liked how smart the concept was and, and where they took it. I also liked that the white guy had a prostitute in his car the whole time. So who is he to be overly concerned with associating with riffraff? I love when they throw in jokes that have nothing to do with anything else. It's just like, okay, here's another laugh. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, making Kate's character genuinely racially insensitive. Just the fact that it seems like everyone in the scene except Keenan genuinely was kind of sketchy. Right. <laughs> and so the only guy that really was just 
just trying to use the ATM for perfectly wholesome purposes. He's the one that's laid out. So, uh, yeah, this, this went in some pretty interesting and surprising directions. I, I liked it. I liked the challenge of it. The challenge of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It wasn't super joke heavy, but it certainly was thought provoking and that worked for me. Yeah. It had something to say. Yep. Yep. Moving on. We get a live sketch. Tim brings his new boyfriend home to meet the parents. Another surprising sketch in many ways. What, what's your hot take? It's a funny concept. Not the most original in the world. Probably just uh, chalk it up to parallel thinking. But Little Britain did a very similar sketch to this. Okay. The only difference is they didn't reveal the fact that he was a porn star until he already dug himself into that hole. Okay. It changed the way that the whole sketch worked for sure. The fact that they reveal right at the beginning, oh, do they know I'm a porn star? Oh, no, no. So the audience knows. Yeah. So when Sam Rockwell starts to uh, <laughs> obviously recognize him, then yeah, we're in on the joke the whole time. And uh, it's a pretty funny ride. It really is. And it's kind of the inversion of some of the long con sketches that we've been getting lately. We've been getting a lot where it's set up, set up, set up, and you're anticipating a reveal. Whereas in this case, you're in on the joke and you're waiting for the people in the scene to, to clue into what's going on. So, uh, yeah, kind of inventive that way. And a little bit smarter that they didn't just have the dad kind of sit there and try and obfuscate the situation or avoid capture, so to speak. He just kind of like walks right into the line of fire and he's just like, okay, yeah, I guess I'm cashing out. Yeah. <laughs> this is the end of the road for me. A lesser writer wouldn't have figured out how to turn the sketch like that. And I think it was better and funnier for them going in that direction. Yeah. And the fact that he's the pastor yes. of all professions, they could have given him exactly great little reveal at the end. And it was funny the whole way. He just casually acknowledged that his whole <laughs> life is going to change. Yeah. And he comes back for the laptop. <laughs> nice little capper there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need this. <laughs> and the wife's like, oh yeah, you're going to need your uh, laptop. All good stuff. Uh, yeah. 80 as the put upon wife. Uh, she plays that role. Well, this was definitely within her wheelhouse. There was a lot that was working in the sketch and I felt like it built and just kind of flowered in a, a very nice way. I liked it. Yeah. A lot of wins tonight so far. So many wins. Yeah. Let's see if we can keep it going. The department of health inspects a cutting edge genetics lab. What do you make of dog head guy? Yeah. Dog head guy. <laughs> I've seen this uh, thing done on YouTube a bunch. It went viral. I don't know if they got whoever was responsible for those videos onto the show because it went really smoothly, first of all. And um, this one worked particularly well because it was an excuse to keep the dog contained. So right. there wasn't really much you could do to screw it up. Yeah, this was fun. I'm, I'm not going to dig deep on it. This is our, our goofy, silly material for the night. Animals, always fun. Totally absurd premise where the player's main role isn't to act so much as just contain their breaking. Uh, we got a lot of that. Mikey Day was particularly <laughs> bubbling over. So uh, that kind of stuff is fun. Uh, I liked it. I don't have anything really smart to say, though. It's just amusing. <laughs> Dogs are funny. <laughs> Dogs are funny. Yeah. Moving on. 10 to 1 sketch. We get a pre-tape. Kelly is a real Chantex user, not an actress. She used to be. Yes. So this is all Cecily. This is just her carrying this pre-tape, probably doing a little improv, a little bit of ad-libbing there, trying to paint the picture of a wannabe actress that is incensed at the idea that she would be referred to as not an actress, which is very true of those commercials where they go out of their way to say that these testimonials are real and they're not paid actors or whatever. So yeah, so a fun little subversion of those kind of commercials. What'd you think? Uh, was there anything brilliant here? 
I thought it was great because we have heard that phrase a whole bunch. Yeah. These are not actors. Yes. And obviously it's meant to tell us, you know, these are genuine reactions. This is someone's real opinion. But yeah, another way to look at it is like you're pointing at someone saying, hey, you, you're not an actor. Yeah. If you fancy yourself an actor, that's going to be really offensive. Yeah. Someone who was like had aspirations and then someone says, hey, this one, she's not an actress. Yeah. But it's nice that it wasn't like a Meryl Streep or something like it wasn't like a credible actor. It's a wannabe actor who flunked out a long time ago and just can't let go of the uh, need to feel like they're an actor. So you're you're tapping into some desperation and some you know, just some real like heartbreak and pain in this person. And Cecily's able to kind of bring that out a little bit in her performance. So yeah, there's something juicy about all that. Yeah. We're all living in the past. Yes, exactly. Our, our unrealized potential for a 10 to one. I thought that that was uh pretty good, pretty good. Yeah. And I think Cecily did a good job of showing us why she wasn't successful yes. <laughs> as an actor. Yeah. You know, some of her characters were pretty cringeworthy and brutal. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I love how the, the narrator is just not having any of it. Yeah. It's like, okay, let's get back to shed ticks. Yeah. I am not engaging with any of this. Let's get back on script. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun. Totes. Yeah. And that is our episode recap. Let's talk moment of the night. My moment of the night was, um, not the, uh, accidental vulgarity, but the intentional vulgarity Sure. done in the face of the censors of NBC who obviously didn't want it. Right. And my moment would be that first one. Okay, so you're giving it to Collins, like, you know, sticking it to NBC S-bomb. Yeah, and that includes the little oops right. that he so uh, disingenuously added in. <laughs> yeah, that is such a, like, dickish face he can do there. <laughs> like, he, he really sells the, uh, this is me not being sorry for my actions <laughs> kind of face. Uh, I like it. He was able to really make that land. Absolutely. Yep, good moment. I'm giving my moment to... The subsequent S-bomb by Michael Che. I felt like his social commentary there was really strong, uh, really pointed. And then, yeah, just to casually have that in the mix with his little run of jokes there, uh, it just kind of showed that they weren't bowing down. They weren't backing off from this. They were going to hit it hard. And I felt like he did. I felt like he really made some some strong points and, and really swung at that topic the way that we're, we're starting to get accustomed to seeing Weekend Update do. They've got some teeth now and they're leaning into that. And for the most part, it's working. Sometimes I feel like it's a little heavy handed or maybe just not rife for comedy, but sometimes it feels right. And tonight I felt it felt right. <laughs> yeah. That really rolls off the tongue. <laughs> you felt it felt right. I did. I felt it felt right. The feeling was felt. Sketch of the night. I'm going to go with that uh, porn star boyfriend. Yeah. That was the most refreshing. And even though the premise was familiar, just the way that it played out was great. Mm-hmm. I'm in total agreement. I'm going with. Uh, New boyfriend, that sketch built well. It had a unique way of turning that typical sort of squirming in your seat type of setup on its head where the guy just embraces it and just accepts his fate. That was a fun moment that I wasn't expecting in the sketch. And then I felt like it really did indicate that there was some solid writing behind it and it was performed well too. Uh, Sam Rockwell, that was probably the best performance he gave tonight. He had a lot of fun roles, but I think this is the one where he just end to end really was able to pull off the character and, and all the dialogue without really any fumbles or missteps. So this had a lot working for it. I really enjoyed it. Yep. Agreed. MVP. Sam Rockwell. Yeah. He should get it. Okay. You know, he really had a command of the night. He was very comfortable up there. Yep. He was featured heavily in most of the sketches. You know, he had juicy roles to play. I think he was a, a successful host 
and uh, deserving of MVP. He did a good job. No doubt. Uh, he was a consideration. I thought that he was pretty strong and, and he obviously had a few fumbly moments with some dialogue along the way, but that is par for the course with SNL. So he really presented well. He really did a good job. No doubt. Uh, but I'm giving it to Cecily again, because I feel like, uh, she's just ever present. If you're going to look at a cast member and say who really was dominating a lot of the leading roles, it, it was her. So just by the numbers, she's my girl tonight. Cool. All right. Big question. On a scale of classic, great, decent, weak, or train wreck, how would you rate this episode? I'm giving it a great rating. Good. Happy to say it. It's not even a tough decision to make. I think this was overall a high and quality episode. Yeah. And who doesn't love Bill Murray and Fred <laughs> Armisen? So there's a lot going on to give this uh, an easy great for sure. Yeah. Who thought the January episode was going to be the one to watch? This was a, a big show. But on top of that, there was a few sketches that had some really smart social commentary and some really fresh concepts True, and to get more than one of those in an episode, that's a real win. So I'm going with great too. I felt like this was a cut above what we've been seeing lately. And this was a solid show that I had a lot of fun with. So yeah, great. All right. Anything else to say? No, I've said enough already. All right. That's a cast. Thanks as always to Steve Finn. Thanks as well to our repertory player patrons, Jonathan Jordan and Aaron and Trader. If you're enjoying our podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Our patrons get early, ad-free access to each new podcast episode, as well as many other exclusive member rewards. You can learn more about all the ways you can support the cast at snlafterparty.fm. We'll be back in one week when SNL returns with host Jessica Chastain and musical guest Troy Savon. This has been episode number 38 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm John Murray. Good night. And have a pleasant tomorrow. Oh, yeah! yeah. Thanks, thanks to Halsey, G Easy, Bill Murray, Fred Armisen. It's been a great week. Thanks to the whole guests, everybody, the crew. Amazing. It's been amazing. Thank you. be honest when someone asked me did you hear what donald trump called haiti in africa i was like oh boy did it start with an n <laughs> but then i heard what he said and i was like that's it i've said that about countries for not having a cvs <laughs> here's the thing my job is to make jokes about the news but trump saying something racist isn't exactly news anymore it'd be news if trump said you know we need more in this country haitians and by the way, he's not the only one here that thinks like that. I've, loved, I've lived in this country my entire life, and I've been asked to go back to Africa several times, and it's never been because they thought I'd enjoy it there. <laughs> but Donald, you do realize how rich these places are in resources, right? I mean, they're in bad shape because they've been robbed and exploited for centuries by Western powers. So the president of the United States calling Africa a shithole is like telling a kid you molested, boy, did you grow up to be weird. LAUGHTER